uh, had a friend of mine text me this morning, a pastor's wife, and she's had some health problems. So if we just agree together, her name is Kim, as we open in prayer, that the Lord would touch her body. Anybody else have anything? I'll take this off so I can see you. Any needs? Any? A good, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Well, that's that's stronger. That's stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Good. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Praise report or prayer request? Deborah. Yes. So, no, it's your stable, stabilizing. You're not getting worse. That's good. That's good. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Let's open it. Oh, yep. Restoration with your kids. Got it. That's, Lord loves that. Anybody else? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that you hear and answer prayer, Lord. I pray for every need that was mentioned and those that weren't today. I pray, Lord God, for Tamara, that you would open up avenues right now, that you would begin to move, Lord God, in this, this family's life, Lord God, and that you would open up doors where restoration is possible, Lord God, for you have given us the ministry of reconciliation, Lord. I pray that, that old wounds, Lord God, would be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you praise, Lord God, for answered prayer. We thank you, Lord God, that you are continuing to heal Deborah's body, Lord. We give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you that you're continuing to heal Doug's body, Lord God. And right now we lift up Kim to you. We ask, Lord God, that you would touch her body, Lord God, and you would bring total restoration and healing, Lord God, and that you would give her strength, Lord, today. And Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts to receive the seed of your word, Lord God, that you would bring revelation knowledge, Lord God. We don't ask for more intellect, Lord God. We ask for illumination of your spirit today, Lord God, knowing that you want to reveal yourself to us in new and fresh ways, Lord God, that we can walk in deeper measures of your grace. And we thank you for it today in Christ's name. Amen. Yes. So Caitlin got a job here in Greenville. Praise the Lord. I mean, praise God. That's great. God loves to bless his kids. That's exciting. Today we're going to continue talking about um, the church in a different aspect. Now, now last week, my message that I, I gave you, I, I, won't, I didn't tell you last week, but I'll tell you now, it, when, I, when I turned off of Old, uh, Old Mill Road onto, what's that road called? Joe Ramsey? Jack Finney? That one, I knew it was some guy. When I turned there, that's when the Lord gave me the message last week. And on the, you know, and just two points. So I, ha I brought my notes. I had my notes from last week, but that wasn't what I even looked at. So I didn't have any notes last week. So I should probably even go back and listen to it so I can do my notes in retrospect. But as God gave me that message, what we talked about last week is how I, I likened how Adam was, went into a deep sleep, if you remember, and that God formed Eve from him as Adam slept. And that how we, we know that the sleep is a euphemism for what? Death, right. That's, that's New Testament. Jesus even used that when he, he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He said, he said she's, not, she's not dead, she sleepeth. Right, and, we, and, and, and Lazarus, another one. He said, he sleepeth. And you're like, Lord, if he's asleep, he's doing good. See, that's a euphemistic term for death. And Paul, to the church at Corinth, what did he say? All those, don't be deceived by those who sleep. That's why when he said how you take the Lord's Supper in vain, he said there are many among you that are sick and even some of you sleep. That's death. We, we understand that. And so we look and then we, we also looked at Ephesians, the fifth chapter, I believe, or six, I think it's five, where he talked about, Paul is talking about, you know, behold, I show you a mystery, but I speak of what? Christ and the church. How when Christ, how when Jesus slept, right, just like when Adam slept, because Christ is, uh, is the last Adam, correct? Corinthians says he's the last Adam and the second man. 
He's not the second Adam and the last man. He's the second. He's the last Adam, finished, and the second man. There's some other men. There's other people. He's a, he started a new race of people is what I'm getting at. And so when he slept, just like when Adam slept and God took from, his, from him the rib and he formed Eve, who was perfect to accomplish what needed to be accomplished with regard to God's purpose on earth, with regard to dominion, right? When Jesus slept, who was formed? The church. A church was formed. His, and what is the church called? His bride. See, that's the, and see, that's a, it's a mystery. Deuteronomy 29 and 29 says, for you the secret things are not for you to know, but the things that are revealed are for you to know. That mystery, if you look throughout the Old Testament, you'll have a hard time finding in the prophets or the minor prophets the church. Now you'll see a lot of evidence of the church and the ministry of the church and you'll see, you'll see the calling of a, G a Gentile nation and the coming to the brightness of your rising and you'll see that, but you'll have a hard time finding the church revealed in the Old Testament. See, that's, what did God do? He, he likes to hide mysteries because it's a, what is, the, what is the proverb that says that? You'll probably know it. It is the honor of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of God to conceal. I knew I'd get it if I started on it. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. Hide. And it is the glory of kings to search it out. Got any kings in the house? I right hear See, he likes to hide things in his word because he put his spirit of a king inside of us so that we would search out the mysteries in God's word. Isn't that fun? If you don't search out mysteries in God's word, pray, begin to pray, God, give me the heart's desire to search out mysteries from your word. I mean, how many of you have read the Bible for years and you've never, you just keep going down the same, trudging down the same lanes that you always have? I, this is what I tell everybody to do. Get your box of beliefs when you read the Bible and pull the lid off. You'd be surprised. Some things you got in there that are just not true, the Lord would love to take them out. He'll have a hard time getting them out. You will be surprised how firmly you hold on to doctrinal beliefs that have been woven into you from childhood. I'm not saying that they're all wrong. I'm not saying everything you believe, but there, how many of you have ever believed something erroneously from a child? I have. And how hard was it to get for God to get his hands on that sometimes? And for you to surrender that. I find that I have surrendered some of those beliefs and then I find myself with them back in my pocket again. You know what I'm talking about? I'm still hanging on to them going, yeah. They're like, that's not right. You know, like the belief if you're good enough, you can get God to do stuff. How many of y'all have lived with that one your whole life? God didn't answer my prayer. I'm just not good enough. When I get good enough, see, that's a, that's a belief that's been formed in, maybe purposely or unpurposely. We found in church for a long time it was hard to get people to do things by nature. And so we, what we did is we gave them rules and regulations and we scared the hell out of them. That was our hope. But we didn't. We just hid hell deeper in them. And we made mean Christians. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'd rather you just be who you are all up front. I would. And it just be something that, you know, over time, you know, I'd rather you be, if you are a natural hater, I'd rather you be just an open up natural hater and just walk in that, but keep drawing nigh to God until one day that you're surprised how much you love people. That's called fruit. I have an apple, two apple trees in my backyard. I have never heard them labor. I sit out there with them all the time. I don't hear any groaning or moaning, no lamas going on as they are birthing apples. I don't. I just watch the apples grow as they just do their thing. 
The nature in them from the seed that was planted is what is extracting nutrients from the soil and drawing it through the pulp, through the branches, and the leaf and the bud, and they're just sitting there just taking in sunshine, and they're just bearing apples. See, that's how he wants us to live. Fruit is not your business. It's his. What is your business is to abide. What you do need to worry about well, don't worry about anything, but what you might want to find yourself concerned about is if you have no desire for the things of God. And in that case, here's what you do. You don't say, oh no, God hates me. You just say, Lord, I find that I lack desire for the things of you. See, he's not shocked by that because he knew it anyway. Lord, I really would rather do things of the world. Lord, I'd rather gamble than tithe. I'm just going to say it, right? God, I would rather work 40, 50, 90 hours a week than go to church. How many of y'all believe in calling a spade a spade? It's the greatest thing you can do. Lord, I would, really, I would rather watch dirty movies than read your word. I'd rather listen to country and western, beer drinking, who's cheating who, who's being true, who don't even care anymore. I'd rather listen to sitting on a bar stool acting like a darn fool. Right? See, I'd rather do that than listen to music that gives you glory. And I know, God, that's a problem, but I'm just being real with you today, Lord. I'd rather watch soap operas than I would any. I don't know. Who watches soap operas anymore? Lord, I don't know. Soap operas are the least of our worries. But you know what I'm saying? And that's okay to say, God, I would rather look like the world than I'd rather look like you. And I know that's a problem in me, God, but I want to ask you to change my desire. And you know what he'll do? I appreciate your honesty. We'll get to work on that. That's all. That is just that easy. You thought that making pigs into saints was hard. It's not hard. It just takes you realizing you're a pig and stop trying to put lipstick on and cover the fact up. But we all know what's real. People who try to fake it, who veneer, put their religious facade on. You know what, Mike and I, we'll just, I'll just tell you, because he's like, don't say it, Andrea. <laughs> we meet people like that and we'll go, "Woo, they are hiding, aren't they? He'll say, yes, they are. If they keep drawing nigh to God, they'll quit hiding. You know, hiding, it's like, what? A, okay. <laughs> they start hiding. They're like, boy, they, you know, they're just like, ooh, I've got this religious jargon. Hmm, praise God. <laughs> now throw in some superstition. I like that one. They, throw, they, they slide superstition in to get you off guard. And, and then they, they come around, they uppercut you with conspiracy theories. That's what I'm saying. And this leaves me a mic going, I don't know. We just love the Lord. <laughs> Am I kidding? I mean, I don't, I mean, we got people that are, that sometimes that we meet people, I mean, we've been in church a long time. A long time. We got the people who, oh, I love you. You're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I love you, love you, love you. I mean, they just, they love you when you're doing something they want you to do. And I've often said this, I wonder if they'll love me as much when the, when the slicing's going the other way. You know, and that's, that's what happens all the time. And so here, we look at this, and I don't know how I got off on all that, but anyway, so we're the bride of Christ, and he made us when he, Christ formed us, and I do not know how I got off there, but let's go to Isaiah 61. So the Lord just wants us to naturally be who we are called to be, which is his bride, who only has eyes for the groom. That's good. And, and I, I will confess, I'm not always that way. And I have, I've just been as honest with you, with the Lord, as I was asking you to be. I said, Lord, you know, I can look at times in my life where I had a greater passion for you than I do now. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I don't know how to fix it. But I know you know. And I'm going to ask you to remove anything from my life that doesn't glorify you and doesn't stir passion within me. 
And I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know what? I'm always amazed that God does it every single time. In the end, I'm like, oh, Lord, you might want to turn that down a little bit. People have been looking at me like I'm crazy. Okay, so Isaiah 61. I just want to start reading this. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. The Spirit of the Lord. I got my Jewish Bible, so y'all help me with some pronunciation. I'll just probably retranslate it anyway. The Spirit of Adonai Elohim is on me because Adonai has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of Adonai's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. Now, I'm going to stop there. We know that Jesus read that in the temple, right? We understand. After he came out of the wilderness and he was, now he began his ministry with, this was the inaugural. He said, this day is the, is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. But let's read the rest of it because this all kind of goes together. Now, as I read it, what I want you to look for, and I'm, I'm sorry, Mike, the Lord, I have notes and it, he gave me this before you told me what you were preaching this morning. I have a date on here. <laughs> I promise. I have it in my notes dated, notarized by the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's fine. You don't know him as well as I do. Okay. Okay, here we go. I want you to look for in this exchange. Okay? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Exchange. See, this obviously the Lord won't say something, right? Exchange. Now let's just look. As I read, I want you to look what's exchanged. Okay, to comfort those who mourn. What is there's an exchange there, right? Comfort for what? So that's what you're looking for all the way. I won't stop every time I insult your intelligence. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of, yeah, I said oil for the Yankees, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now here's a little parenthetical part. We got, now we're going to squish this in here. Listen, that they might be called oaks of, who knows that word? Righteousness. The planting of Adonai, that he may be glorified. Who planted? Adonai. What kind of planting is it? Righteousness. You're an oak. How many of you are oaks of righteousness? I am. See, many people have trouble saying that. Because we have been so conditioned to say, I'm just a sinner. Praise God, i got to sin every day. I think you look forward to it. I think you're more, more sinner than anything. <laughs> you identify yourself as sinner. I want to identify myself as what he's called me. He has planted me as an oak of... Man, that is good. They shall... What are these oaks of righteousness is going to do? Here's your job description. You wanted to know what your job description was. See, the Lord anointed Messiah, and now... it created this exchange ministry that I got comfort for mourning, beauty for ashes. I've got joy for, what, what are some of the exchanges here? Praise for the spirit of heaviness. See all the exchanges that are going on? I'm trading my sorrow. See, we sing that song. You didn't know it was biblical. You just thought it was fun. Okay. They, the oaks of righteousness, they shall rebuild the ancient ruins. Somebody talk to me about generational curses that can't be broken. I say bull. They shall restore former desolations. Talk to me about families that have been so devastated by past sin. They shall repair the ruined cities. Hmm. Greenville? The desolations of many generations. Strangers will stand and shepherd your flocks. Children, your foreign, children of foreigners will be your plowmen and vine dressers. Here we have that, that Gentile church see coming in. It's not fully revealed, but you will be called the priests of Adonai. They will speak of you as the ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations and boast in their abundance. Inst Here we got another exchange coming up. Instead of shame, you will have what? A double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will what? 
sing for joy. Therefore their land they will inherit a double portion. They will have everlasting joy. For I, Adonai, love what? Justice. I hate robbery in the burnt offering. In faithfulness I will reward my people and cut an eternal covenant with them. How did he cut an eternal covenant? Anybody know? That's it. It's that Jesus is the eternal covenant. Then their offspring will be known among... This is what I pray over my kids right here. Then their offspring will be known among the nations. Their descendants among the people. All who see them will recognize them. For they are the seed that Adonai has blessed. That's what my kids walk in all the time. I, I speak that over them. That in Isaiah 44 and 4, that they are will, the planting of the Lord. They are willows by the water. I will rejoice greatly in Adonai. My soul will be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Anybody clothed with the garments of salvation? He has wrapped me in a robe of righteousness like a bridegroom wearing a priestly turban, like a bride adorning herself with her jewels. You think we're talking about the church? You think we're talking about the age, the day of the church in this? Or are y'all all, all going all the way to the millennial reign with it? I, mean, I need to know. What's your eschatology on this? Well, it would have to be, right? Because why do, why do desol are desolations, see the word desolations and ruined generations and ancient ruins and the foundation, see all those things? Are those present with us today? Will they be present in the millennial reign of Christ? So this has to be us, and you are the oak of righteousness now. You're not waiting to go to heaven to get righteous. I mean, we don't need you to be holy in heaven. Everybody's holy there. You won't get a brand new body there. I know some of you, woo! <laughs> I know, I and mean, that's all great, but this is talking about some other portion. For the earth, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as the garden causes things to spring up, so Adonai Elohim will cause justice and praise to spring up before the nations. And he's going to do that in his church, y'all. He, he's going to. I do not like church hate talk. I don't. I don't like it. If somebody comes to me dissing preachers for obvious reasons, well, God bless our preachers. They just don't know how to have a voice in this generation, in this age. They've tried. And they love God, but they just don't know what to do. Or the church has just become irrelevant. Church is full of hypocrites. Church, I heard this my whole life, y'all. How preachers make too much money, they're lazy. Yeah. I heard it my whole life. Preachers make too much money, they're lazy, they don't work, they only work on Sunday. Most of them lie. That's what I heard my whole life. You know why I heard that my whole life? Because it's easier to defame than it is to actually become what you're called to be. Preachers are all in wants money. Yes, ma'am. Maybe com sometimes there's comparison in churches. That's not good either, is it? So we, we look at this. I believe. I, I tell people this all the time. Don't talk about a man's bride. The church is the bride of Christ. So when you get on church hate, sabotage speak, you're alienating yourself, number one, as the bride. You know, I, people always say, well, they call themselves a Christian. They do this and that. And I always say, what do you call you? I do say that, actually. Are you an atheist? No, I'm a Christian, too. No, you're not. You don't even go to church. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No. 
You don't have to go to church to, to be saved. That's not what gets you a candidacy for heaven. But everybody I have ever seen who's truly born again and loves God, loves what God loves and hates what God hates. If you're finding yourself loving what God hates and hating what God loves, it's time that you call a spade a spade. Absolutely. I agree. If you're going to mock a Christian, then I think you're... How many of you? How many of you don't mind standing up for the church? Somebody calls out the church, you say, "Uh uh-uh. That's not the church I'm a part of. And if you know how to do it so much better, you ought to be in there doing it yourself, you hypocrite. You're teaching those who can't do teach. See, I, I just think it's... We've got to change our ideology of what the church is. We've let it be defined by hell instead of by heaven. We are oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and they shall rebuild the old waste places. They shall raise up the foundations of many generations. That's what Mike and I, we sat on a deck in East Texas, in Kilgore, Texas, and we talked to, we talked to, um, Ruth and Charity Harris, they were missionaries to, to Africa for 50 years. Lainey was three and Hannah was pretty much a newborn. We weren't even pastoring yet. We were youth pastoring and we had, that's where they were staying and we had been assigned as our youth pastor at duty. This was Lonnie Harris's great uncle, uncle, uncle. And we had been assigned with taking him to his cabin where he was staying. And we got there, and they said, you want to sit out here on the deck with us and drink some coffee for a while and visit? Absolutely. So we sat out there, and they told us stories about being called to Africa. They told us a story about their daughter named Esther who opened the door of the car. You know, back before you had to have seat belts or child seats or anything, and she fell out on the pavement, and, they, and she died at the hospital. And they told it, and Charity told us about how he tried so hard to raise her from the dead. He spoke to her little body to get up. She was three. And he said he crawled under. She was in that emergency room. He said, I crawled under that table that she was, her dead body was laying on. And I, I was shook. He said, I was just crying out in grief to God. And he said, and God gave me an open vision right then. He said, and I saw Africans walking toward the edge of a cliff that was like an incinerator with flames coming up, and they in blind obedience were just walking off of the cliff, and they were being swallowed up by the flames, one after another, after another, after another. And he said, and I said, oh God, what do you want me to do? He said, I will keep your daughter. You go to Africa. Wow. And he did. And even after the AGWM retired him, he still built churches in his retirement. How many churches? 1,500, 2,000 churches in his retirement. 3,000. And after he retired from going to Africa building churches, he planted a cowboy church in Tulsa, Oklahoma that is prosperous to this day because the Lord told him, if you'll build this cowboy church and you will poise it toward African missions, it will do more in this church to, for Africa than you ever did in your whole ministry. He did that when he was 85. And so we listened to that that day. Back to the story. We stood there. We sat on that deck with them, and just we had little baby girls, all we had. And we were two kids who came from nothing. We have no credentials. Our heritage was not something that you want to, that anybody wants to go, wow, that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was where we came from was nothing anybody wants to applaud. And we often felt that we were not qualified 
to pastor. We didn't have the education. Mike at this time had been saved for three years. And we were youth pastoring. And we didn't have family support. We couldn't, if we were, if we didn't have food to eat, we couldn't have, we didn't call family to help us. Do you see what I'm saying? We just made a way. We trusted God. So we're sitting there and we're listening and, and I asked Charity and Ruth and I said, and they were telling me about all the different things and all the people in their family and all the preachers and all these people and they said they traced it back to a praying grandma. All these, all these missionaries that come forth. All the, when you see Brent and Tim Teague, they come here, that's, that's their great uncle, Charity Harris. Lonnie Harris, who is here, that's his nephew. I mean, and there's and his, Lonnie's sister, Jarlene and Willard, they've been, they spent Africa, Africa. So we saw that, and I said, Lord, how, I said, Charity, how'd that happen? He said, we were just faithful to God. And Mike and I both, we left there that day, and I said, if it's every great legacy has to start somewhere. When it's not, see, building up the foundations of many generations happens somewhere. Do you see what I'm saying? It happens somewhere. And Mike and I decided that day in Kilgore, Texas, it would happen with us. And we said, no matter what happens in the church, no matter how hard hell tries to fight against us, no matter how ugly, no matter how many ugly Christians we find, and you find them, you know what? The enemy sowed tares among the wheat. I just never want to be a tear. You find them. You'll find every excuse in the world to stop with the legacy. But we decided. We will raise our girls, because all we had were girls at that time. We will raise our girls to love God and love the church and serve the church. We won't speak of the church. We won't talk about, we won't air problems in the church. It was not until our children became adults that they ever knew anything that Mike and I went through. That's how, and we said, why? Why did we do that? Because we were so great. No, we were, we were ignorant and unlearned. Truly. But the Holy Spirit put something inside of us to become oaks of righteousness. And I'm telling you, that doesn't happen overnight. We've been married 31 years now. And our children were three, and they were one at the time. And I'm proud to say to you, by the grace of God, all three of my children serve the Lord. And they serve his church. Right. Hannah told me, she's going to a church in Denton now, close to her house. She said, Mom, I go on Wednesday night. She said, I'm the only one there in my, it doesn't have gray hair. Thank you for you gray heads. You know how it's done. She said, I, you know, she said, there's, she said, she laughed. She said, they're so impressed with me. You got to know Hannah. She said, they're so impressed with me. I said, are they? She said, yeah. She said, I even gave input. And the man said, you're an impressive young lady. I said, well, it's easy to get wins, isn't it? She said, yeah. She said, people my age don't even know how to do it. Do I sit here and tell her, Hannah, you need to go to church on Wednesdays. Hannah, you need to go to prayer meeting. Hannah, you need to do that. Hannah, Hannah, you need to serve in the church. I don't nag her. Because I know, just like my apple tree produces apples, I have confidence that the seed I sowed in her. See, I made a covenant with God on that deck. And there have been times I've looked at my children and I said, this doesn't look like what, I, what we agreed to, God. I have, haven't we? I said, God, this doesn't look like legacy. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to do something about it. I said, and one time I asked the Lord this. I was kind of distraught over one of my kids. I said, what are you going to do about it, God? How are you going to change this? How many of you know what I'm talking about when your kids are not doing what they're supposed to be doing? You know what God told me? He said, this is exact words. He said, I got you, didn't I? That's what he told me. I went. He didn't say it, but the insinuation was she's worse than you. I mean, you're worse than her. So see, 
And I see, I want to chase legacy. And the only way I can chase legacy is not by nagging my children. It's by living an example before my kids that they say, I want what mom and dad have because I have seen them in the thick and the thin. I have seen them up and down. I have seen them when wolves have torn out their heart and they have still stood behind pulpits and declared that God is able. You know why? Because I love the church. I love it. I love the church. I love the body of Christ. You know why I love the church? Because I'm such a great person? No. I already told you where I came from. I love the church because Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for her. And when the Holy Spirit shed his love abroad in my heart, that just came with that love package. So if you don't have a love for the church, it's not the Holy Spirit's love in you. And when he... When he spread the love abroad in my heart and I got the fruit of love just by proxy and all this, I love people that I should hate. I love people I have a right to hate. And I'm surprised, I try to hate them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You try to hate them. And then if you don't work on the hate, you find yourself loving them again. Some of you think this is crazy. Because when the love of the Holy... This is not my love, y'all. I didn't do this. This came with the seed that was planted in me. Because I, of the, I'm from the last Adam. I'm from a new DNA, a new race of people. And just like I was lost in the first Adam, I was found in the last Adam. And he was the first man, and I become one of his brethren. I mean, I'm just born right after his lineage. And if he loves, I love too. I try to stop loving, and he just makes me love. Because you know what happens? Then I go along and I find out the things I used to be afraid of, I'm not afraid of anymore. How'd that happen? It's part of the package. The Holy Spirit did what? Let's say it together. He shed the love abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And perfect love did what? Cast out fear. Again. Did you cast out fear? This, let's just look at it. Just, it's, in the, it's just a hermeneutic. It's right there. It's real. We've made it hard, and it's so stinking stupid simple. Right? Who shed the Holy Spirit abroad in your heart? I mean, who shed the love abroad in your heart? I just gave you the answer to the test. The Holy Spirit. Who died and made the Holy Spirit available to you? You didn't do that either. No wonder the crowns are all going to go to him. And then you started looking. I mean, this is what happens to our house all the time. Maybe this will be a good example. Michael will say, hey, where's that piece of paper that I left on the table? It had blah, 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 blah. You know, I needed it. It was a very important piece of paper. It had a la, la, la. I don't know what it is. And I look at him and I'll go, what did I say, Mike? I threw it away. Why? Why would you throw it away? I needed that. Well, you shouldn't have left it on the table. You, this has happened many times, hasn't it? He'll say, where's my cup of coffee? I threw it out. Where's the cup? In the cabinet. He'll say, what? where are my shoes? I left them right here. They're in your closet. You know, I'll just, if you leave it there, I'm going to throw it away. If it doesn't have another design designated place, I just am. If it lays there, it wasn't important. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. So you're walking around, and you're going, you're looking for your fear. Where's my fear at? Where's that fear? What's the Holy Spirit say? I threw it out. Some of you think this is crazy, and you haven't ever experienced this. You don't know my God like I know my God. That's the dare for you. 
That's your dare. That is your oak of righteousness. That is your planting of the Lord. Just keep on. Just keep on trusting him. Just keep pursuing him. Get closer to God. Get more of the Holy Spirit in your life. He'll throw out every bit of trash that he doesn't like in your dwelling. You will start to think, you'll start to, your mentality will begin to shift. How many have ever thought different? You think exactly like you did when you were 25, 35, 45. How many of you say you've shifted in your mentality? And how many of you have ever looked back on your 15, 17, 18, 21-year-old self and been and felt, I've done this, and felt like it, you know, turned red with embarrassment? And there's no one, there's no reason to be embarrassed. I mean, it's so far lost in the past, but you think about something stupid that you thought or did or said, and you literally flush at that moment. Anybody but me? You're like, yeah, oh, good. The wise person just doesn't put it out there. You know what I mean? But my girls have done the same, I'm, you know, my girls have done the same thing. Lainey has looked back at her old pictures, and she said, Mom. You, what did you think about me? I said, I just tried not to, Lainey. She said, I was so cringed out that I thought I was going to throw up looking at myself. She said, I kept going, oh, you idiot. Hide, 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 hide. <laughs> see, we, we shifted. See, in the same way, in the same way that you grow in maturity like that, when you move into the things of God, there's growth. You can grow out of fear. You know that. You know that from your life. How many of you are still afraid of monsters under the bed? But at one time in your life, it was real. You mean that you grew out of a fear? You know, and it, see, and you, how many people have been afraid of things in the past that you're not afraid of anymore? You grew out of that immaturity. Because we find that in our life as we grow in the things of God and the Holy Spirit becomes more implanted in us and we become more planted in the Lord that the fruit that we display doesn't even look like what we used to. We are so utterly changed. But see, the problem so much in our culture is that we, in the garden, the fall of man, we became what? Great word, one of my favorite. We became transmogrified. Yeah, it's a fun word. You can unpack it. Trans means what? Trans means changed, right? Trans, transgender, transportation. It's change. It's all trans is a prefix for change. Transformation. Morgue means what? Dead. I know. Yeah, dead. Yeah. That's why when you got a mortgage, you feel like you're dead. No, it's a different mortgage actually, but a different morgue. But we have transmorgification. Vacation, that T-I-O-M, what is that? That's a continuation, right? Isn't that? When you shun something, you, that's, the, that's the, the, the suffix, and it, it's, it means it indicates there's a continuing on. That's just so we unpack it. What does that word transmogrification mean? It means a change unto death. What it literally means, a change so grotesque, so unbelievably outlandish, it is absurd or preposterous. So from what we were in the presence of God and what we were created to be to have dominion on this planet to what sin did to us, it transmogrified us. It would cause someone to, if we could have saw what mankind was meant to be to what we became to be, it would cause you, how many of you saw Batman? This will help you. Years ago, the one that was, you know, what's, it, Ke- what's the guy's name? Robert, Ke- yeah, y'all know, Robert Keaton. Michael Keaton, yeah, that one too. Michael Keaton, when he said, I am Batman. Right? Remember the Joker, Danny DeVito, in that one? How he became, he became so changed. He was just a normal man, but then he kept trying to fix his imperfections, right? What he saw, and he became transmogrified, where he had this smile. He was absurd or preposterous. That's what transmogrification is. So when we sinned in the garden, when humanity sinned, they became transmogrified. 
So we lost our intent, we lost our purpose, we lost our identifying factors, our glory, everything was gone from us because of the transmogrification. The problem is you've never known how to live anything but transmogrified. So when, whenever abnormality is normal, what happens? I don't say you in that, the world. See, then we become so accustomed to our transmogrification, it's all we've ever known is normal, so we cling to it. And you have to rip our cold, dead hands off of tithe, off of, I don't know, giving glory to God, off of loving people who don't look like ourselves. You have to, see, we do all these weird things because of that transmogrification because we don't understand how good God is and how much he wants to change us into his likeness and image. And he wants to get rid of the shame. He wants to get rid of the fear. He wants to get rid of the dysfunction. He wants to get rid of the victim mentality. He wants to get rid of the depression, not just manage it with medication. He wants to get rid of the anxiety. He says, be anxious for how many things? Be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart. I like that. How many of you have had the peace of God guard? Anxiety starts going, uh-uh. See, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Isn't that good? It starts with your mind. It digests to where? Your heart. I mean, I know I'm talking to people in here. And I know some of this is so foreign to you that you can't even comprehend not living transmogrified. But transform- transformation. How do we get? Some of you are already in. You're like, yeah, I want that transformation. That's what I want. That's what I want. How many believe it's available? There's only one way. And it's right there in that scripture. We gotta get planted. Proximity. You gotta get planted in the Lord. Planted. Planted. I mean, I've got plants that I've planted and I have dug them up so many times because I've got them in the wrong spot. And I dig them up and I put them somewhere else. And I dig them up and I put them somewhere else. And I dig them up and I put them over here. I mean, I, I landscaped my backyard this year, but it's a new house, so the sun did different things than I thought it was going to do. So I put different plants. And so I got my plantings, and so I had to dig. I, I bought things that love shade, and I found I didn't have much shade as I thought I had, so I've had to dig them up. My patio looks like a rainforest now because all my shade plants have had to move to my patio, and I've had to replace my what I thought was going to be a shade bed with, with sun-loving plants. And you know what it does? Now my, there are things that are just not growing as fast as they should because I have dug them up so many times and replanted them. I mean, there are, pe- there are people in this room, and you'll attest to this, you have been on a journey with God. You have tried and tried. You have tried and tried and tried. And you'll say, man, I started down this road, and I was getting in, and then psh, you unplanted. How many of you say, yeah, and it, my growth suffered, friend? How many of you know what I'm talking about? But let's just say, let's not bemoan the past. Let's plant now. How do you plant, Andrea? How do you plant? You say, God, I'm planted. I'm planted. And and it's going to be tested. The sun will always test it. Circumstance will always test it. That's why I tell people, if you can be offended out of the house of God, you will be. If you can have your feelings hurt, they will be. If you can have someone, a spirit of competition, something that is your little idol that you have set up, if you have something, if it's something, maybe it's your lazy bone. Oh, don't talk about being lazy. That's what the worst problem is in the house of God many times. It's just lazy people. Because when it takes work, you know, you know, how, what, how do you know when it's work? When it doesn't feel as good as you want it to feel. When there's a little rub somewhere. And you do it anyway? See, that's how you stay, you say, you remind yourself, no, I'm planted this time. I'm planted. But you keep digging up and moving somewhere else and you don't bear fruit when you're supposed to bear fruit because you just keep getting unplanted. 
You know, it gets hard. Somebody looks at you the wrong way. Something happens. Something, you know, a, a, a wind of, an adversarial wind begins to blow. It gets hot. It gets boring. You know what? There's a lot of boringness in the body of Christ. There's just a lot of boring stuff that has to be done. And if it wasn't done, y'all would all notice it. If somebody didn't come here early and turn on the air, y'all would all gripe. You say, it's hot in here. Somebody tell the board member. If you walk to that pot and you put, there's no coffee this morning. How do you think that got there? This door's, un, this door's locked. Or this is my favorite. Somebody left the door unlocked, Pastor. Well, golly, maybe you should get some keys and stay and watch by that door for the rest of your created life. You know what I tell people? The person who does the most work makes the most mistakes. If you're not making any mistakes, you're not doing nothing. See, this is how we get, oh, see, I told you if you could be offended, you would be. I'm trying to do it now. I'd rather us just know where we stand from the get-go. That way we can get going. This is a Jesus model. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Jesus, 7,000 people just left. Cool. You want to go too? No. Who has the words of life? Good. This is good stuff. I thought y'all wanted to get over your fear and anxiety. Get planted. Get planted. And you know what will happen when you get planted? I didn't have time to go into it all. You'll be a Psalms 1 kind of tree. Yeah. How blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He is like a tree who is planted by the rivers of water which gives forth its fruit in its season his leaf does not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper what that tree have to do to have a leaf that doesn't wither and fruit that bears in every season what do you have to do though just had to plant roots do the drinking all you gotta do is plant how about Ezekiel 47 and there was a river that flowed out from the altar of God. And he said, son of man, measure it. And I measured, and it was a thousand cubics. And then I measured another thousand cubics, and, it was, and that was up to my ankles, and it was up to my waist. And then another, the third thousand cubits, what was it? It was a river that you couldn't even pass. And along the banks, how could y'all help me with this, of the river, on both sides were what? What were planted there? They were trees. And what did their leaves do? Healed who? The nations. You don't know what God has designed for you. You are the tree planted by the river and the pr production, the outflow of your life is supposed to do what? Go heal your family, Tamara. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying do something. I'm saying you get so planted in God that whatever comes out of your life naturally, people go, my God, you have just brought healing to me. Whatever your life is, I want to go where you're going. I want to be what you're being. If you think that's a fairy tale, then leave me to it. Because I believe it's for a company of people who know what the church is and what it's about and people who have left their carnality behind and have stepped into a new day with a new design and have, have said, God, I'm tired of this transmogrified thinking. I'm ready to be transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to surprise 